Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Here we go. Romans chapter 6. If you have a Bible, turn there. Um, we're going to be looking at that in just a bit, all right? So turn there, keep it open, keep your device open, whatever you want. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be Bibles in the pews. If you don't own a Bible, take one home with you and read it, okay? That's a gift to you. We want you to have that. Romans chapter 6 is what we're going to be looking at. We are in a strange place as a, as a church. Um, it's kind of like that, uh, those initial stages uh, of a dating relationship. Do you remember that? When, you, um, when you, everything was exciting and new, but at the same time really awkward, and you weren't really sure how it was going to work out, um, that's how we are right now as a church. Everything is exciting and new, and we're not really sure how it's going to work out until we try it. For instance, I come up here yesterday morning to um, work with a guy to, to, to teach me how to fill the, the baptismal over here. And we're talking about it, and uh, I said, well, that's great. Sounds easy. Seems simple enough. Um, so how do you um, pump that water then through the boiler to make sure that it's warm? Because they, I was told that that was, that was the case. And he said, huh, no, that, that, that doesn't work. So we are going to do some really cold baptisms this evening. So if you see everyone looking really, really like excited about it, it's, it may be, it may be, all right, that they're really excited. It may be that they are freezing. Okay, so uh, that's what we're going to do. And we also didn't know that the water to that actually ran out of those pretty mountains right there. <laughs> those beautiful. So pretty, aren't they? Hey, who, who has been initiated into a club or some sort of organization, some sort of group of people? Anyone? Any, anyone's had some sort of initiation where, where maybe you were in a fraternity or sorority? Don't put your hand up. Um, and maybe you had some sort of ritual to be allowed into the group or, or the club. There are different tribes across the world who have initiation rights into adulthood. There are gangs who you, you have to be initiated into gangs by committing some crime or whatever, however that works. I don't know. All right. Uh, promise. Um, but, but there are things like that, right, where you are initiated into some sort of group. Am, am I done that? Not the gang part. Don't raise your hand. All right. We don't want to know that. When I was in high school, I was a runner. I ran all the time. There were about five or six guys who were about the same caliber of, of runner. Um, running abilities were about the same. And we had this initiation. We had this rite of passage that we did. Once you were deemed good enough as, as a runner, um, you could then be a part of this group. And here's how it worked. You had to go to a barber, right? Now, no one knows what that is anymore. But um, we had to go to a barber, and you had to get your haircut um, exactly the way that all the others do. Now, here's what a barber is, in case you don't know. Um, it's a man, guys, 
a man who cuts your hair. All right. So we would go to these two guys. Um, one was short, one was tall. They wore matching smocks and they always watched Cardinal baseball or daytime television dramas believe it or not. For some weird reason, it was the weirdest thing. Um, so in a sense, we would go in together and get our hair cut by Bert and Ernie, right? And, and this is the way that the haircuts would work. We'd get it cut real short in the back, um, almost down to the skin and the sides, and then taper that down to a swoop right here. <laughs> it was sweet, all right? Um, it'll come back. All right, it'll come back in. Um, but that was our initiation into this elite, or so we thought, elite group of runners. Um, and so we've all had things like that, right? Where you, where you had to be, go through some sort of requirement, some sort of phase, some sort of initiation into a group of people. In similar ways, don't connect all the dots. In similar ways, that's the same kind of thing that we have in a church setting. We get to, to go through some of those sorts of rites or experiences as a church. Now, over the centuries, what they've been, been come to, to be known as are, are sacraments or ordinances. Um, we have an opportunity tonight to experience two of these as a body. Now, here's what I want to do at the time that we have together. I want to walk through a quick definition and explanation of what a sacrament or an ordinance is. And then I want to briefly discuss baptism. Specifically, um, what I want to do is discuss how we view baptism as a church. And all of that then points to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's where we're heading. So here we go. Ready? I want to start with the answering, answering the question, what's a sacrament? What's an ordinance? Um, those terms are, are interchangeable. As far as just a simple definition of, of a, a sacrament, here's what it is. It's an outward visible sign of an inward invisible reality. Did you get that? It's an outward visible sign of an inward invisible reality. Now, when it comes to the church, the definition of sacra sacrament is narrowed in focus. And this is why. Because it's only something that was instituted or commanded by Christ for the church. Now, that's where we get to this idea of calling it an ordinance, right? It was ordained by, it was commanded by Jesus for the church. So let's walk through that definition with Christ as, as the center. Here's what that would look like. A Christian sacrament is a command of Jesus instituted for the church as an outward visible sign of an inward invisible reality. Now, getting my hair cut with friends um, was an outward, very visible, very, very, very visible um, sign, a very visible um, sign to an invisible reality. Now, I get that that breaks down a little bit, right? That example breaks down a little bit, and you would definitely agree that it breaks down if you saw pictures from 1993 when that was in, right? But that breaks down. The main difference in, in those rites or, or those things that we do as initiations is this. Christ commanded that we do this. And so Christ is, is central to this. Everybody get that? And we believe as a church that there are two sacraments. There are two commands of Jesus for the church um, to, to be practicing. They are outward expressions of an inward reality. They are communion and baptism. 
Now, in the gospel accounts of the New Testament, in the New Testament and in 1 Corinthians, we see Jesus commanding his disciples, um, the first church, really, right? The first church. They're commanding his disciples to celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion as they gather together. Communion is an outward, visible sign of an inward reality. When we gather together and we physically eat bread and drink wine, that is an outward sign of an inward reality, right? It's showing Christ's work on the cross that then unites us to him. It's an inward unity with Christ. We see that being played out in our Sunday worship gatherings here. We do this every single week together because it's, it's a sign, and we see the command for baptism in Matthew 28, 19, and in other places throughout out Scripture, throughout the New Testament. And in what we call the Great Commission in Matthew 28, we see baptism as that same kind of thing. We're going to get to that. Um, but it, it, it's baptism um, it is a celebration, so is communion, outward signs of an inward reality commanded by Christ for the church. Now, many of you may be picking up on the fact that I keep saying commanded by Christ for the church. Now, what I mean by that is this. These sacraments are given to the people of God, to the church, in large part for their edification, for their encouragement, a pouring out of grace to the church. And so that's why I'm saying it is, a, it is a, a sign, a command given by Jesus to the church. Seeing the visible outward signs the church gets to witness. We're going to get to witness this this evening. We get to witness and experience together the invisible inward reality of being united to Christ. It's a celebration, right? It's a celebration for the body to see what their God is doing, what our God is doing among us. Right? So you can't go home and sit in your bathtub and baptize yourself. Right? You could. Um, you, you can't on your way to work stop by 7-Eleven and grab a Twinkie and a grape Slurpee and sit in your car and, and have communion. These signs are given to you as a body, given to us as a body, to be celebrated with other believers to show our unity in Christ together. Does that make sense? So we gather together every week and we get to take communion together to to point our hearts and our attention to our our Savior. And we get to do that tonight with baptism. I'm simply saying here that we believe as a church that the carrying out of sacraments is most beneficial when it edifies the entire body. It's most beneficial when we as a body get to experience together the visible signs of an inward reality. And so this evening, what I want to do is just work through baptism. And a helpful way, I think, for us to do that is to, to work through what baptism is not and then to look at what baptism is just briefly. So, so here's what it's not. Unlike some traditions, um, we, be, we do not believe that baptism is salvific. You can write that one down. Here's what that means. It, it does not save a person. Baptism does not save a, per, a person. The act of baptism is not an act that brings about salvation. It doesn't purify you from sin. It doesn't regenerate a person. Now, why do we believe all that? If you've been with us for a week, hopefully you know that we believe salvation, the purification of sins, that the regeneration of a heart comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Not something we do. 
There's nothing we can do to earn salvation. There is no physical act that deserves salvation. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Now, there are are many of you who have probably grown up in the tradition that that tells you, you you will get a ticket to heaven if you're baptized. I want to be clear on this. That's not in the Bible. That's nowhere found in the Bible. In fact, it's against what the Bible teaches. There is nothing that we can do that will save us. Jesus does that alone. Other traditions believe that that though baptism does not bring about salvation, it is a promise of salvation for believing uh, believing parents, for their their children. It's a promise of salvation. Now, we don't believe that the Bible clearly um, states that point on baptism either. We could get into a lot of that. I could point you to books and and articles and all sorts of things that would be helpful in that. I, I don't have time to do that this evening because the water's getting colder. So that's what baptism is not. All right. But what what is baptism then? What what do we believe about baptism and what will we experience even tonight? I think, first of all, there's an order to this. There is an order in what we see in Scripture. When our Lord Jesus commanded baptism in Matthew 28, he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and then baptize them, baptizing them. Do you get that? First, first make disciples, meaning the work of evangelism, the work of spreading the good news so that Jesus, um, if God chooses, so that, so that he, they will be saved. And then you baptize them, right? And there are places throughout the book of Acts where people are told, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. We see that of Lydia in Acts chapter 16. Repent and be baptized. There is an order to that. Repent. Believe and be baptized. Now remember, baptism is a visible outward expression of an invisible inward reality. Practically speaking, the way that baptism was done in the Bible and the way that we will do it is by physically, visibly, sorry, everyone who's getting there, uh, immersing the believer into the water and, and bringing them out again. That is the visible outward expression of the invisible inward reality of what God has done in them through Christ Jesus. Now specifically, we we believe baptism communicates at least four things. And here's where we're going to get to Romans. At at least four things that are grace-filled, beneficial, and encouraging to the church. So look at Romans chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses here. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. This is Paul to the church. He said, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. 
Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what are the four things that we believe that, it, that baptism communicates? First, it communicates union with Christ and his body. Union with Christ and the body, the body of believers. When someone is baptized, they are communicating to everyone around that they have been saved by Jesus. Just as Romans 6 says, we have been united with him in his death and his resurrection. Not only are we, we united with him, identified as Christ's followers, we are also united with the body of Christ, his church. Paul says in Romans 6, 3, all of us, all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, are, are baptized into his death. All of us who have been baptized, all of us, united together in him because of him. So baptism communicates union with Christ and his body. Secondly, these next two, are are pieces of communication that have to do with the symbolism, the inward sign that's being communicated through the visible outward act. So second, it communicates death to the old life. When someone is baptized, they are communicating a death to the former way of life, to the ongoing habitual life of a sinner. Do we all still sin? Everybody nod. Yep, yep, yep. Do we all still sin? Absolutely. But in baptism... We are communicating with Paul in Romans 6, verse 6. Our old self was crucified with Jesus in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That, that, that's communicated through the symbolism of being buried with Christ. Being, being buried into the water. So baptism communicates death to the old life. Now, there's hope there, right? There is hope. We're not going to leave these people in the water. Third, communicates, um, communicates new life in Christ. Paul says in Romans 6, as believers, just, just like we've, we've been buried with Christ and putting away our former way of life, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The way this is being communicating, communicated is through the symbolism of being brought out of the water, resurrected out of the water. We will then bring people up out of the water, showing we're united with Christ in his death. We're united with Christ in, in his resurrection. And so our friends who are being baptized today are communicating union with Christ, union with other believers, the death of their former way of life and their newness of life in Christ. Fourth, the fourth thing that baptism communicates, and we believe all of life should be shouting this. All of life should be screaming this. It communicates the gospel. When we are baptized, we are communicating in the sign the gospel of Jesus. We gather as a church. We participate in the sacraments. We are communicating the gospel. Our friends here today are saying the very things that Paul said in Romans 6 where he says, Our old selves were crucified with Christ, with Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that 
so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. If we've died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Death no longer has dominion or rule over Jesus. For the death that he died, he died once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive in in God. When we celebrate baptism together as a church, we are communicating the gospel. This is the gospel, physically seen, symbolized. It's a beautiful picture of what we have seen in the gospel, united with Christ because of his death. Nothing we've done. We've been buried with Christ, putting, putting aside the old way of life and, and being resurrected to new life. All of that points to the work of Jesus on the cross. And in his resurrection, he conquered death forever. We're showing that. So we celebrate that today. This is a celebration today together. Celebrating the beautiful, the beautiful picture of the gospel. And our friends that are being baptized today would want anyone in this room to know that wonderful gospel. We are sinners. You and me. We, we are sinners, and through Jesus and Jesus alone, we have life. There is death to our old self. We have life. That hopeless way of life is, is renewed or finds hope in the newness of life in Jesus because he conquered sin and death forever. Now, for those of you who, who are here tonight visiting or, or passing through, or maybe you've been with us for a long time, and, and you're not a believer and you, you've not heard of these things, this seems strange to you, right? I get it. It seems really weird that we'd fill up an ice-cold tank of water, dunk people in, bring them up, and celebrate that. I get that it seems really, really strange. But we are gathered here tonight to celebrate the very thing that our Lord and Savior commanded of us. And we get to celebrate that because, because Jesus, said, Jesus said, do it. And, and it. and it shows who we are in Christ. And so our hope, our hope tonight and our prayer is that you would see the beauty of this picture of Christ. The very Christ who knew no sin who became sin for us, dying our death, conquering death by being resurrected then from the dead. That's what we celebrate this evening. Now, we have an opportunity, as as Brett already said, to celebrate both sacraments tonight. It's a a fantastic time in the life of our church. We get to celebrate both of the things that Jesus commanded to us as a church Um, One is through baptism, one is through the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood for us. That's what communion is. So if you're not familiar with that, what we do together as a group of people, as a body of believers, is we come together and we grab bread that represents his body. Visible sign, right? Visible. And we dip it in the wine that is his blood, that is visible. And, And we celebrate what Jesus has commanded us to celebrate. And we get to do that together. So if you're a believer here tonight, you get to experience both of these things. It's a celebration. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going we're to sing some songs together. We're going to go over here, get ready for this. Um, and, and we're going to do four baptisms this evening. And then we're going to celebrate by taking communion together after that. 
Right, Brett, Brett will invite us to come up and take communion together after the baptisms. We're going to sing some songs of celebration of what Jesus has done for us. So let me pray for us tonight and we'll continue in worship. Father, um, you are our one God. You are our one God who sent your one son to earth to live a perfect life, to die a perfect death, to raise from the dead. No one's done that. The perfect son that you sent has done that for us. And that alone brings salvation. And our lives then should be screaming the gospel. So Father, help us. Help us to to show that day to day to day. And God, even this evening, I pray that our hearts and our affections and, and our lives will be pointed to Jesus, who is our Savior, who died for us, who was buried, who then rose from the dead. Help us to be more like Jesus and less like ourselves. Help us to worship him tonight. Amen.